The Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is The Big Lead. Coming to you from the Curtis Silbro studio. Welcome. Welcome to The Big Show. Thanksgiving Eve, my absolute favorite holiday of the year. Well, Easter is at the center of the life of uh, Christians. And Thanksgiving is still about family and friends and hanging out, not quite as commercialized. So I'm in a great mood today. We're going to have nine people at our Thanksgiving table tomorrow, and I hope that you're going to be with people you love and that you're uh, fired up for these uh, great times ahead of us. All right. Glad you're with us. Beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Very busy show. Uh, Brock Heward will drop by next hour, and we have an amazing story that we're going to uh, get even deeper into right at the bottom of the hour. Let's get right to the big lead. The big lead. Top story. Here's what everybody has to be mindful of in this area. There is no time of day that is safe, and there is no place that is safe. Our gentler times are gone because we have a region where the criminals are winning. The criminals are taking over because our politicians have allowed the criminals to take over. I'm going to talk right after the 1230 news with a woman. She obviously doesn't want to give her last name. Her her name is Emily. I'm going to talk with Emily and her nine-year-old son, Nicholas. I first uh, found out about this story. I saw it, uh, Alejandra Guzman and David Rose at Fox 13 had this story. But they were outside their apartment in Tacoma, 8.30 in the morning, a Wednesday morning. And as Emily was getting her son into the car, all of a sudden another car pulled up right in front of their apartment parking space. A woman was driving. A man jumped out. And he stole, carjacked, Emily's vehicle. It was a very cold morning. There was frost on the windows. So like everybody does, she started the car, was letting it defrost while she was trying to defrost the windows. That's when this guy jumped out of another vehicle, a Kia Soul, and took Emily's car. But she reacted instinctually, as many of us would. She grabbed onto her car, and she got hurt really bad in the process. Her nine-year-old son, Nicholas, told Fox 13 that physically he and his mom are going to be okay. Look, can my audio here, please, Andrew? Here's nine-year-old Nicholas. My mom and me are fine, and and we're going to have a better life. We're going to have a better life. I'm looking forward to talking to Nicholas. He sounds like a cool kid. Uh, Emily explained her injuries from having been carjacked. He actually looked at me, and um, as I'm holding on, he hits the gas, and the tire hits my whole right leg, the whole right side of my body, um, cuts my leg, cuts my arm, and as he lurches forward, uh, my head smashed into the door frame. And because her parking spot was painted with her apartment number, Emily was particularly terrified that these criminals might come back at her that night. That night, uh, I literally sat in front of my front door crying with a knife in my hand, so scared because you could see on my parking space it says the apartment number. And both Emily and nine-year-old Nicholas say that uh, this is a pretty ugly thing to go through. 
I'm still scared. My mind, since since that day, my mind has been like feeling poisoned. I'm sorry. That is one of the cutest descriptions of of what this was like that you can imagine. A nine-year-old kid. Since that day, his mind feels like it has been poisoned. Uh, it, it's When I say cute, it's also just horrible. It's tragic as well. But it's an eloquent description, I should say. Since that day, my mind has been like feeling poisoned. Poisoned when scaredness. I have crippling anxiety every time I have to go out to my car. I'm scared to have Nicholas run out to grab his backpack. I, I'm i scared to go to my car. Poisoned with scaredness. It's happening all too often. And it comes back to car thieves especially know cops can't chase them. Nice job, Democrats in Olympia. And so they're traumatizing families like this. We will talk with both Emily and nine-year-old Nicholas right after the bottom of the hour news. Up next in the Big Lead. The Big Lead, Dory Monson Show exclusive. I want to tie together a bunch of stories because we're in a very frightening time right now, a time where government is less transparent than ever before in all of my time doing a radio talk show. Uh, I was talking yesterday about the stats that I uncovered on the King County and Washington State Department of Health website that children who are, because there's a big push on now to get children fully vaccinated and boosted against COVID. And the stats show that for every demographic of children, ages 5 through 17, those who are fully vaccinated are more likely to get COVID than children who are unvaccinated. And the Washington State and the King County Department of Health will not explain to me, and I've given them six opportunities now, to come on, because I know that my numbers are right. And I know everybody's saying, didn't you talk about this yesterday? I'm going to tie it together with a story you just heard in the top of the hour news here. My numbers are right, and they will not come on and refute them, because they can't. And I'm telling you, the King County Department of Health has numbers on their data dashboard that are pure lies. And I think this is criminal. When a public health agency, I mean, there are few departments of government that need to be more transparent than a public health agency, because this truly is about life and death. Now, the story that's surging in the news today is about a surge in respiratory virus illnesses in children, unconnected to COVID, they tell us. But... As you start looking at the data, I want to know the children who are being hospitalized because they say that there is a a 200, a 300% spike in hospitalizations because of respiratory illness. And what I want to know is, is there a disproportionate percentage of children getting this RSV who have been vaccinated? Because we have proven with their own numbers that children who are vaccinated are more likely to get COVID. So my question is, 
are children who are vaccinated more likely to get this respiratory virus? And I think it is absolutely criminal that the Department of Health will not come on and answer any of these questions about the connection between getting children vaccinated and boosted and increase in RSV. And as you just heard Aaron Granillo report at the top of the hour, they have now had their first flu death for a child in our region this season. But what seems to be happening is, for some reason, kids are getting this RSV at a seemingly record pace. And there are a couple of possible explanations. First of all, after two and a half years of not having social contact and of wearing masks and of being isolated at home, that the human body has lost its ability to fight off something that would have been rather routine for it to fight off. That's one possibility. Another possibility is that getting a child the vax is making them more likely to get these respiratory viruses. The bottom line is the health department should come on and answer these questions. But what is it appears is that they have become a racket to just push vaccinations because the pharmaceutical industry wants billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars from parents who have been convinced by propaganda and politicians who have been bought and paid for that they must vaccine boost their children. So I want to know, is this connected to the increase in RSV? And after I asked this question last night on Twitter, a wonderful Twitter follower linked me up to a piece, very in-depth scientific piece, by a guy named Daniel Horowitz. And the headline is, Create the Illness, Mandate the Cure. What is causing the explosion of RSV? And in the opening graph, I'm going to just share this with you. Imagine creating a biological product that not only has negative efficacy and debilitating side effects, but actually proliferates other viruses so that the same manufacturer can market It's ineffective and dangerous vaccine for the new disease. Well, stop imagining and start observing because this is exactly what Pfizer and Moderna are doing if we don't stop them. And what he points out, he's got links to Moderna's own clinical trial for the COVID shot. And it shows that for babies, they had a higher likelihood, very slight, very small percentage but nonetheless, a higher likelihood of getting RSVs if they were vaccinated versus a placebo group. Uh, Same thing from Pfizer. Uh, It's plainly stated, as Horowitz writes, in Moderna's trial that the trial participants wound up with more respiratory viruses, pneumonia, and RSV. What about the two- to five-year-olds? Same thing. Within 28 days after vaccination, this is from Moderna's trial report, the pharmaceutical company's own words. Within 28 days after vaccination, some respiratory tract-related infections were reported with greater frequency in the vaccinated group than in the placebo group. And again, it is a small percentage. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to oversell this. 
But even a small percentage has an exponential effect. I mean, if it two or three percent more kids are getting RSV, then they are more likely to pass it along to others that they come in contact with. And you have an exponential effect that starts with a very small increase in likelihood. And what makes this so disturbing is that our politician, Department of Health, will not talk to me. I, I'm the only person in local media who uh, apparently has taken the time to independently verify the nonsense propaganda that they've been pushing out to us. And I'm the person they will not talk to because I don't fit the storyline, and I certainly am not their propagandist. But we're seeing this on national level. I played this for you yesterday. Uh, it was Anthony Fauci's last day, and reporters wanted to ask him the most elemental question that Anthony Fauci should be pushed on, and that is he funded gain-of-function research at the lab that may have unleashed COVID on the world. And reporters on Fauci's last day wanted to ask Anthony Fauci about the origins of COVID and what he now knows. And it turned into one of the all-time White House press briefing clown shows. I will not call on you if you yell. And also you're taking time off the clock because Dr. Fauci has to leave in a couple of minutes. I I'm done. I'm not going. I'm not getting into a back and forth with you. Go ahead, Jeremy. So the KJP, she won't call on the person who's asking, how did COVID start, Fauci? What do you know about this now? And she goes to another reporter, and then some of the other reporters, uh, the, the one with the accent that you hear, is an African reporter. And he's saying, she's asking a great question. Where does this come from? And and only a couple of reporters, mainly international ones, had the guts to stand up to this absolute stonewall. You ask your question, you should allow her to answer. Origin of COVID. It is not your turn. It is not your turn. You can't you can take a press briefing. You need to call from people across the room. She has a valid question. She's asked about the origin of COVID. I hear the question. Dr. Fauci is the best person. I hear your question, but we're not doing this the way you want it. This is a disrespectful. It is. I'm done, Simon. I'm done. I'm Simon. I'm done. I'm done with you right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Is this America? King County, Washington State Department of Health are pushing out phony data. Most in the media just repeat their propaganda. The White House press corps will not be allowed to ask about the origins of COVID, which is one of the most significant events of our lifetime. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard was on Fox News talking about this stonewalling. Frankly, it's the most important question because the most dangerous thing facing the American people and frankly the world is the fact that people like Dr. Fauci and those in power refuse to even acknowledge that there is a very real possibility, even a probability that the origins of COVID came from the kinds of so-called scientific gain of function research, this dangerous research that is funded by American taxpayers at the behest of the likes of Dr. Fauci that was occurring in China and in other countries around the world and even here in the United States. This is what needs to be investigated and this dangerous research, which, which Fauci refuses to acknowledge or speak about every time he's questioned about it, 
This is what needs to end because it is endangering the people of this country and people around the world. And we have been lulled into complacency by two years of mandatory just following everything government orders us to do. So now we're at a place where King County and the Washington State Department of Health won't answer questions about the fake data that they're pushing out to people. Uh, we cannot find out if the children who are being hospitalized with RSV, if a higher percentage of them, disproportionate percentage, have been vaccinated. We need to know this. Parents need to know this. The origins of COVID. You can't ask about that. Not in America. We're in a real dangerous time right now. And I will continue to try to get answers to all of these questions. And that is your big lead for today. The Big Lead on Cairo Radio. Okay, we're going to check the news for you. And then I'm really fascinated to talk to our next guest. A mother and nine-year-old son carjacked in broad daylight. What that experience was like for both of them. They will share their story next here on the Dory Monson Show. Well, as you know, one of the many crimes that has just skyrocketed around this region is carjacking. Carjackings are happening with alarming regularity, and a mom in Tacoma, she is a victim of one of those carjackings, and her story is particularly harrowing because of how awful this could have turned out. Her name is Emily. We're not giving uh, their last name, and her nine-year-old son, Nicholas, is with her as well. Emily, Nicholas, thank you for coming on with me this afternoon. Our pleasure. And I want to thank my friend David Rose and uh, Alejandra Guzman at Q13, Fox 13, because they uh, first did the story, and I, I got it from them. So tell me, Emily, about what happened. Uh, just walk me through the, the actual carjacking itself. Uh, it was Wednesday, November 9th, and we, me and Nicholas were getting ready to leave for the day. It was a very normal morning, and uh, I live in an apartment complex. Um, that uh, it seems had seemed safe and um, directly in front of my front doors, my vehicle parked in my spot and my son and I were just getting ready to leave for work and school. And I walked over to my car and I unlocked it and I put my bag down and I put my key in the ignition and I turned around to help my son. And we were both standing right there at my car and a white Kia Soul came up behind my car and stopped and this guy got out and I remember watching him, but it never occurred to me um, just that anything was wrong. I thought maybe he lived there. He was visiting sure. and I watched him walk up and he opened the car door and got in my car. Um, but he, the car was extremely frosted over quite severely. And so he had to roll down the windows and just, Totally out of impulse, I grabbed on to the window frame, and he starts backing out, dragging me with him. Uh, and so he dragged me out into the street, and he couldn't see it all, so he backed over a curb, and the right tire, as he did that, hit my right side of my body and um, hit my lower leg and hit my arm. And I distinctly remember looking at him. I was inches from his face. He wasn't wearing a mask or anything, so I could see him clear as day. And there was this second where he paused, and I honestly thought he was going to get out and walk away. He just backed over a curb. 
um, I'm screaming. I'm literally screaming for help and screaming for Nicholas to run away. And I thought he was just going to get out of lock away. And he looks at me and I look at him and then he slams on the gas and it causes me to lurch forward and I hit my head into the windshield and it drags me into the street and I let go because mm. I just wanted to let go. And um, I thought it was over and I'm still screaming and I watched the car drive away. I thought that was the end of it. But instead he circles around and comes at me a second time and I just remember screaming so much for my son to run away because I was so scared that he was going to run into the street, you know, wants to help his mom and that he would get hit. Or I didn't know where the white Kia Soul was. I didn't yeah. know if they're going to try and kill me. Are they going to take my son? What are What's going on? So he comes at me a second time and I just move and um, he runs away. And uh, my nine-year-old son saw the entire event mere feet away from us. Oh. And it it's was traumatizing. very traumatizing. Yeah. Well, and I saw the photographs of you on Fox 13. You were banged up really good. Bruises, a concussion. I know that you were uh, torn apart pretty good. Nicholas, I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be a nine-year-old kid watching this happen. What, what was going through your mind? It was very scary for me. I mean, I'm only nine. Nine. Yeah. It's like too young for me. It's like pretty... It's like pretty young, young for a nine-year-old kid. Well, and when you're nine years old, life should be a little bit more perfect and uh, because you got lots of time later in life for these harsh things that we all have to deal with in life. But uh, how scared were you as you were watching these bad guys? I, I was really scared. It, it, was like, it was like my whole body was filled with scaredness. I just wanted to help my mom. Did you think about running to your mom or running away? What was going through your mind? Well, I wanted, I was super scared, but I wanted to do everything I could to help my mom stop him. So, Emily, you see the guy drive off. What time of day was this? Just in the morning? In the morning, broad daylight. Um, honestly, I'm just so surprised. Like, I just couldn't believe that this was happening to me at 830 in the morning on a Wednesday. Unbelievable. And, and uh, was the guy armed? Did he have a weapon when he took your car? Um, not that I saw. Um, he seemed so young, to be honest. He looked less than 25. Yeah, he maybe younger than that. And we've got a lot of 13, 14, 15-year-olds committing crimes like this. So uh, you obviously called the police. And what has happened since the carjacking? I have not heard one word from the police. Uh, since they came and took my statement immediately after it happened. And they've never found the car? They did. Uh, tribal police uh, found it the ne 24 hours later uh, outside a Motel 6 in Fife, um, full of drugs and stolen merchandise. So it was spray-painted. They had thrown out every single one of our possessions, and there was um, a lot of sentimental things that mattered to us in that car. And um, the woman... Uh, that dropped off the man that carjacked me. She was there, and I started taking pictures, and her and another unknown male um, started coming towards my rental car, and I ended up having to run away from the scene because the police officer had left me with the stolen vehicle to go find video surveillance, and so I was by myself when these two individuals 
were coming towards my rental car, um, and then they were gone by the police. By the time the police came back, they had fled. But you saw and recognized the accomplice who was driving the carjacker's vehicle, and and the police didn't come and arrest her. Um, I don't know what tribal police knew because it was a Tacoma crime, so I'm not even sure what they knew about the statement. I'm not sure if all they knew was that that was my vehicle that had been reported stolen. Um, so I honestly have no idea what they knew. I just know that he left me with a stolen vehicle outside of a motel. And for all we know, the both the assailants, the man that carjacked me and the female, could have been in the room directly in front of my vehicle. Yeah. Hey, I want to back up just a minute, too, because one of the things you told Fox was, uh, Fox 13, was that the night of the carjacking, you were so terrified. Tell my listeners what you did. Well, directly on my parking space, it's assigned parking, so it says um, which apartment is mine. And since he had my keys, he also had my house keys as well. So um, I wasn't able to sleep uh, after we got home from the hospital. I remember distinctly um, sitting up against the door, my front door with a knife in my hand, uh, just tears pouring down my face because any noise I heard, how do I know that the carjacker is not coming back trying to use my house key to get into my home? Clearly, he has no problem with violence. Clearly, he has no problem with children being there. And if he's willing to do it in broad daylight, why wouldn't he be willing to come in in the middle of the night and you know, see what he can steal from us. He obviously knows we're a woman and child and uh, he can do whatever he wants. And, you know, it, it was so, I can't even begin to express the, the violation of safety, the fear. Oh, yeah. What so you, you literally sat in front of your door with a knife all night? Yes. Yep. Crying the whole time. Any noise. I just, I, I can't even begin to describe, but it felt like knowing that he had my house keys and knew where I lived. I heard you say that you've had it now. You're going to move away from this place? I, I We are definitely looking into somewhere with like a, a gate or like a gated community areas. But what we're looking into, I mean, clearly uh, nowhere is safe if you can attack us in the morning and you know, let me tell you, when I looked at him and I saw how calm he was, I have no doubt that if Nicholas had already been in the car, that that would not have deterred him from yeah. taking the car and taking my son. Hey, Nicholas, if slim chance, if that bad man, that bad woman, if they're listening to us on the radio right now, what would you like to tell them, Nicholas? I I would say, say no matter where you are, no matter... No matter what time, we are going to find you. <laughs> wow. Are you going to be a cop someday, Nicholas? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe be a police officer and go catch catch these bad guys? Maybe. Okay. All right. Well, I, I'm sorry for what you've both been through. It sounds very traumatizing. I, I can't imagine parent-to-parent, parent, Emily, what that would be like with your 9-year-old next to you. Uh, but uh, I'm glad you're both physically going to be okay, and I hope emotionally that uh, you get past this because it sounds awful. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you both for talking to us. And, Nicholas, you take care of your mom, okay? Okay.
Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you both. And uh, that's Emily and Nicholas. The reason we wanted to talk is just everybody's got to be vigilant. You cannot let down your guard for one second, even at 830 on a on a November morning. you got to be aware that uh, these bad people are out there and they're capable of anything at any time. And uh, we've got to be more vigilant than ever around here. Love to hear your thoughts. You can text me at 888-973-CAIRO, 888-973-5476. Lots more to come here in the Dory Monson Show. You can always reach out to me. We are a text line, 888-973-CAIRO, 888-973-5476. Getting lots of comments about our opening monologue today. I'm trying to find answers as to why children have a 200 to 300% increase in respiratory viruses. And I ask the question, are those children disproportionately vaccinated? Because I have proven with their own data that children who are vaccinated are more likely to get COVID than unvaccinated children. Now, as I told you, I've reached out to King County Public Health six times. I, I want to read to you one of the text messages that I got from the 425. It's absolutely reckless of you to spout these theories without any medical professionals on the phone. If you can't ad- get a professional to address your theories that the vaccine caused RSV in children, uh, and then just goes on and on. It's criminal to spew unfounded rumors about medical advice. I will tell you, 425, this, if, if you are just a sheep, if you just accept what government tells you, if you just accept what most in the media tell you, if you just accept what the pharmaceutical industry tells you, this probably is not the radio show for you. Now, I've told you that I've called King County Public Health six times. Nicole has contacted them six times. And we've asked them, I've personally invited them, to come on and challenge any of my data that I got from their data dashboard. They refuse to do so because my numbers are correct. And so the fact that I am the lone dissenting voice in the media from the propaganda that they are pushing out, I am not anti-vax. I'm vaccinated. I got a booster. I'm probably done based on the research that I've done since then, getting boosted. But I'm not anti-vax at all. And I think for older people, I think for people with comorbidities, it makes sense, according to my research. But for you to suggest that it's criminal for me to be the lone dissenting voice when that's what we're supposed to do in the media. We're supposed to be the watchdog of government. We're supposed to be the check against what they push out to us. And this is what I find so scary about text messages like that and and people who don't want to hear any dissenting opinion. Because this is what I've been telling you for a long, long time, that the last couple of years have been about to create a nation of sheep. To have the government tell you when you can go get a haircut. Have the government tell you if you can meet your friends at a restaurant. Have the government tell you if you can go worship your God at church. That's all up to Jay Inslee when he had his emergency powers. 
And people became okay with that. Now, the government is telling you that you should get your child boosted and vaccinated. And the data I'm finding uh, suggests the opposite. And I should be the one voice that will present facts. If you were listening carefully, the dramatic increase in respiratory virus in children. In San Diego schools, they had a 40% absence rate in October. Alarmingly high, primarily because of respiratory viruses. Uh, In... Children's Hospital, Colorado, 30% higher. Now we're being told here in this Puget Sound area, 200 to 300% increase. This isn't normal. And if anybody connected to the Department of Health and the government propaganda arm of the pharmaceutical companies, if any of them want to come on and challenge me, we have issued lots of invitations. So don't you dare say that I shouldn't spout this without getting medical professionals on. The medical professionals in government are too cowardly to come on this show. I'm doing my job. That's what I wish more would do. Uh, And by the way, that's what every individual should do, too. Don't just accept what's pushed out at you. Okay, we're going to check the news for you here at the top of the hour. And then the fastest fifth day is coming up next here on the Dory Monson Show.